This is the Cosmic Voice. Everyone and welcome to the Cosmic Voice. This is season four, episode fifteen. I am here with my co-host Chris Natalini. It's summertime. It's summertime. Hello, and, everybody. And I am Mick Michaels. Welcome back, everyone, to another Cosmic Voice episode. Chris, how are you, yes. sir? How are I'm you? I'm doing. I'm doing good. It's summer, although I, you know, I'm fighting a summer cold as we speak. Well, you're getting uh, it get, out of the way early, right? Get it yes, over that's early. Right, yeah, again on the show, getting over the flu. So if I sound a little raspy, that is why. But I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited. It is warm. It's starting to get really, really hot. At the day of recording this, and, you know, we'll probably be in the some decent heat by the time everyone hears it. But as of right now, the present of today, it is coming off a nice couple hot days. And I'm loving it. Yeah, I'm loving, loving it. it too. It, actually, yesterday was so warm it reminded me of being out in arizona that's how much i love it so yeah let's get it out there so yeah i'm getting excited um hopefully we're going to be done with the rain um i know there's some hurricanes happening here and there down in the gulf and stuff but hopefully it's that time right yeah it's that time hopefully though the sun will prevail and we'll have a fantastic very dry heat exhausted summer and i'm all ready for it i Um, am ready for it Whatever kills my grass, I'm all about it. <laughs> I hear you. That's what I a lot no of people problem. say. The browner, the better. That's right. No problem mowing dirt. Mowing dirt. I hear <laughs> you. You know, they put those heat warnings out. Everybody says, all right, I'm not doing anything. We're shutting down. <laughs> Unlike the 70s and early 80s, they just said, you know, check on an elderly neighbor. They didn't shut anything down, though. <laughs> That's right. And then those That's people right. showed up on the 6 o'clock news. You know what I mean? You know how yeah. it goes. You know how yeah, it I goes. do. I do know how it goes. But we are in the warm weather, bro. This is what we've been waiting for. Oh, yeah. You got any big plans for the summer? You got anything happen? You know, you don't have to tell us where you're going so you don't have people outside your door. You I have wish. any big plans? I do, man. We I have a ton of plans, man. I, I do so many shows we're going to, you know, going to do a little traveling, you know, normal, normal stuff. Maybe, uh, you know, squeeze in a few dinners with the, the Michaels. There you uh, go. The Michaels couple. That's right. The um, Michaels. Yeah, man. Like, you know, just normal summer stuff. But, you know, like I said, we have a ton of shows coming up, which I'm really excited about. A couple that um, I'm excited for, a couple that my wife's dragging me to. But either way, it'll be it'll be cool. I'm not worried about it. She's dragging me to Skinner, and I am not. She's oh. a big Southern classic rock wow. kind of gal, and I'm like, nah, I'm, I was. I never got into it. Not that it's bad. I, I just never got it. Yeah, I never totally got it either. But it is definitely a movement. I mean, there is those Skinner oh. fan. I mean, it's just you know. Ooh. I mean, I don't even know if they're, you know, we, again, this is an argument we could have. Is there even one original member? Of I, I, I don't. Know. I couldn't even tell you. And I know there my maybe wife, one. My wife, my wife is one of those people she don't really care she just wants to hear those songs you know what I mean like she just 
she's that kind of you know fan and uh it's it's coming for her birthday so she was like oh can we go see skinner i'm like oh, yeah you want to go get tickets we'll go and so we're going to see skinner i'm like oh this ought to be awesome well you know summertime concerts are always kind of fun especially if they're always outdoor the best, yeah right? there's always something yes. you know because sometimes the weather is awesome. yes as long as the weather is really good they sometimes have some outside stuff happening for people it's a good time. It's going to be a good time for sure. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, man? You got any plans? Um, you know, for us, you know, Philly folk going to hit the shore at some point, maybe yep, a couple definitely. times. You know, I got some plans I want to do around my house this year that I got to I got to be present for. So I've been putting them off for a while. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm just listen. I'm just looking forward that at the end of the day or at some point of the day, I could just sit out on my back deck and vegetate for a couple hours in the sun, and that's it. There you go. Uh, to me, that's, that's it, man. Th- the less I do, the better. Yes, I, I, I agree. Yeah, and I could just contemplate, you know, new episodes that we have to do for the Cosmic Voice, you know, when we do season five, if we get that That's far, right. if we survive That's the right. summer. Yeah, well, and here too, man, like, I, like not for nothing, you, you know, all joking aside, you are a busy guy. I mean, you do have a lot of plates in the air that you're juggling, so. Well, I like you know, this. I, I do I, like you know, to outside of the podcast and the band, like, you have a lot of stuff, and then, you're, you know, you're obviously you're a dad and a wife and have a family, so. You know, you are juggling a lot of things. If anybody follows you on social media, yeah. outside of your private life, yeah. they'll know that. Well, maybe. I, get, I like to stay busy. I think it's important. Idle mind kind of sends you a little nutty. So yep. it, it's a good thing. I mean, you know, again, like in this business or just in life in general, I guess you just want to keep moving forward. You keep trying new things, new challenges, hopefully create new accomplishments and maybe um, – you know, we try to share that experience with somebody down the line, kind of like what we do with this podcast. See how I like, turn that around to somebody else? <laughs> with that, tonight's episode is Do I Need a Producer? Now, there's a lot that can go to that, a lot of it. I mean, there's stuff on either side, depending on who you're talking to. But from an indie, in the trench type of artist point of view, do you really need a producer? I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Do you need a producer? Well, you know, Mick, I, you know, I, I was thinking about this, you know, as people know, you and I sometimes decide, uh, you know, ahead of time what we're going to talk about. So it usually gives us some time to kind of get our thoughts together. As I told you earlier, before we hit record that uh, I was thinking about this one a lot today. If you would have asked 22 year old Chris Natalini, I probably would have said no. Asking 52 year old Chris Natalini, I probably would say, yeah, like I think now, mind you, don't get me wrong. Is need, quote unquote, air quotes, is need the right word? I don't know. Because do you really need a producer? I guess it depends on where you are in your career. If you're a young guy, then maybe you do. If you're an old guy like Mick and I, no, you don't always have to. But, asterisk, but, I think it's important to have an outside opinion. Because sometimes, and you and I, I know we spoke about this on another show at some point sometimes you need an outside force because you're so in your own stuff right not necessarily in your own head you wrote it you crafted it from scratch or the band you're in is crazy scratch like this is your baby right like you've taken days months sometimes years if you're in my band because it just takes years to get something together it's yours right and you know it's kind of hard to have someone come from the outside go well don't know if this matches or maybe we should try this or let's do this i am a firm believer in allowing that opportunity because at the end of the day you are a paying customer so you can say no but i think that a good producer 
will ask you first. Oh, I guess we talked about it when we talked about getting ready to record, probably one of our earlier episodes. A good producer maybe will ask you, hey, do you mind if I give you advice or, you know, if I hear things? Or maybe they'll just they'll just do it and play it out and see how you take it, right? It's always easier to apologize later. I'm a big advocate for an outside opinion to go, I hear this, or maybe we should try this. This may not sound right. These notes don't go together right. I think I've even said on the show, you know, there was many years ago that my band was in the studio. See, it's my band. We're an elk where we don't mind other people's opinions. And even been times where we've had parts rewritten for us because the producer just thought, hey, let's try this. And it just sounded better. And that's kind of what I was getting to. Like we had spent years playing the song the same exact way. And we get in the studio and the producer goes, did you guys ever think of doing it this way? And then he played it for us and we're like, no, but that's amazing. And it made the song that much better. And if it wasn't for his, first of all, if it wasn't for his confidence of, of being able to come up with that, we may have missed out on a really great opportunity. So for me, I never mind a, someone else who comes in and goes, hey, Chris, why don't we try this line this way? Or let's do a line this way. Or let's try this instead of this. That doesn't bother me. Do you need a producer? I think the word need depends on where you fall in your career again. If you're a young guy, yeah, you probably should have a producer to kind of give you some direction. And then you learn as you go. Okay. I see what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I agree with some of that for sure. And then, I mean, because I oh, have... Let's talk, well, well, let's I, talk about what you don't agree with. Well, I ha- it's not that I'm disagreeing with you per se at all. I mean, yeah, because, well, yeah, you know, because everybody has their own experience. I'm kind of split down the middle, but at the same time, I think if I stepped out of myself as a third party, I think I know where I'd be leaning towards anyway. But, well, why do people go for a producer, right? There's a lot of different reasons. And like you said, like certain genres seem to really weigh heavily on certain producers, right? Yeah. And it depends oh, on, yeah. And it depends on the role of the producer. What are they really providing? A lot of times you'll get an engineer who's also a producer and they're kind of like doing a dual role and they may be producing in terms of more audio quality engineering standards especially if you're running a budget and you only have the budget for one so you kind of get a two for one so to speak engineer producer type of guy and that's kind of what we've always had one guy yeah and then in the much higher echelon you'll have a dedicated engineer and then you'll have a dedicated right. producer, right? Because the right. you know right. the money is there, the resources there to finance that type of thing. So that being said, Paul Stanley once he actually said in his autobiography, there's a huge difference between an engineer and a producer, and they learned that the hard way over the years too. Yeah, I mean sometimes yeah, engineers can give you. Sometimes engineers are as educated, and sometimes they're not. It all depends, right? Some of that is a personal preference. It depends on. A lot of things, their background. I was once told at a like seminar type class or something, there was a point in time where everyone was calling themselves a producer. You know, you quickly pick up that title, you know, I'm a producer. And they said, you're not a producer if you can't read music. The light went off in my head and I go, wow, I guess I'm screwed because I don't read music. But I look at being a producer slightly differently. So I'm going to kind of like backtrack a little bit before I get into kind of where I fall to this. I think a producer is more than someone who just can read music or even just plays an instrument, though I think that does help. However, we have seen, and you can read about them, there are plenty of very popular producers who don't play music themselves. 
Right. They don't right. play an instrument, but they have this ear. Right? And sometimes it's a matter of understanding tones or understanding what resonates with people emotionally, sonically, that kind of thing. And as you had stated, they're kind of like that third party, Mm -hmm. right, to give you some perspective. And I think that's the one goal of a producer is to give that perspective. It's a sounding board. And if you've read some artist bios, the producer was always kind of like the deciding vote when the band kind of was in splits of what should we do or we didn't know, you know. So there's that role at the same time. There's the role of the producer to make sure everybody's on a schedule, things are getting done, time frames are met, you know, budgets being met, you're not going overboard too much or whatever the case may be. Like with the Beatles, you know, hey, we need an anvil for this one part so I can hit it three or four times in a song, get a good... Re- so, you know, you spend all day, you send out one of your associate producers to go find some anvil somewhere in Scotland. So, you know, it's those type of things too. Nowadays, I think there's a role of a producer where what does it bring to your project in terms of name value, of brand bang, right? A little bang for the buck. And like, how is this going to play out in the PR media environment? So there's some of that too, where there's guys that are just lending their names to projects, getting paid, getting this producer title, so to speak, kind of like what happens a lot of times in movies or TV shows when uh, the major star also then becomes like an executive producer after the third season. It's worked into their contract. Maybe they're giving a little bit of input here or there, but I don't think that they're doing the same. Not everybody, but I think there are people who really do put the time in, and there's other people who don't. They've created a production company, and then they have people under them that take care of it, but of course their name is the bigger. And I think you have that too with music people. I think it's probably very popular in more of pop when you're lending your name, so to speak. Not to say it doesn't happen elsewhere, but I think because there's so much music coming out. A lot of times, you know, like in the rock and metal, guys will take a while on an album. It's not like an album's done in two weeks and out the door, though things are getting quicker these days. You know what I mean? We're not sitting on albums, unless it's a real big album. It's Russ the Boss. Take it down. This is Stephen Pearson from Rat, the Rat Bastard. You're listening to the Cosmic Voice. So, you know, the question is, why do people decide to go for a producer? Well, all of that, and plus some. Some artists, or bands per se, they can play, and there may be bits and pieces that they have of stuff that's like, hey, there's something there, but they need somebody to put it together. Not every band is a great songwriting team. I've seen that up close and personal myself. Not to say that, hey, this isn't this, or the guys are no good here, but listen, that's why you have studio musicians sometimes. That's why you have yeah. the creative kind. That's why you have bands that play live, but you know haven't recorded an album in years. And then you have the other stuff, bands that don't play live and seem to keep writing material. So it's all that kind of stuff. I think you have to weigh it out as, you know, what are you really looking for? in terms of a producer. One of my qualms with producers is that sometimes what happens is is they mold a band so much. In essence, what they're doing is creating their own band to their own vision. And when that band isn't with that producer anymore, there's usually a drop in quality, songwriting quality or sound quality. 
maybe they're not churning out the same amount of hits. With that, you could make that argument that Bob Rock kind of did that for Metallica, right? Like Metallica was this hardcore thrash band got with Bob Rock. Their songs became shorter, more commercially oriented. You know, he, he kind of gave James a, a different way to approach his vocals mm -hmm. and he changed them. I mean, he changed it forever. He changed metal forever, right? I sure. mean, you know, it, a lot of it was because of Bob Rock. And then after Bob Rock, Metallica changed. Their songs got longer. They sound more like they did back in the old days. Sure. Give or take. That's an argument to be had. Yeah. But, so, yeah. So going with what you're saying, I mean, that makes perfect sense. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, another example is look at what Mutt Lang did for Def Leppard. I mean, there's no two ways well, yeah, about right. it. I mean, he took right. that, listen to their first album, and it's all over the right. place. It's yeah, a yeah. lot of their different influences. This is just my opinion. And it's not cohesive. And there's a couple stellar songs on there, but some of the other yeah. ones uh, hit or miss, right? And then they kind of found their own little vibe on the next one. And then, you know, then it started to kind of permeate from there once they got this direction. But, you know, once they're not there, I mean, again, listen, a band does change forever at that point. Some oh, yeah. guys do run with it and some kind of like, well, they're lost in the shuffle again. They're back to square one. What do I do? Or they say, I'm going to try a different producer. That producer doesn't necessarily have the same motive or, you know, maybe because they want to change their sound. They don't want to, you know, it's just like, you know, nobody wants to be defined by just one album. Right. right. But unfortunately, that's just, how, that's it just how it is for all of us. Yeah. I would love to be defined by one album and continue to right. get residuals from that album. <laughs> You're right. Uh, you know what I mean? You yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. I do. So... <laughs> But that's always been, I don't know if it's used the word fear, but it's always been a thing of mine. It's like, well, this producer does this, but it's almost impossible to maintain. It changes. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, like night and day from what, like, say, Bob Ezrin did in Destroyer for Kiss and then what Eddie Kramer did for Kiss with mm. Rock and Roll Over. I mean, yeah. literally, there's a night and day in sound, in, in just in everything. Yeah. You know, and again, we know the stories of what Bob Ezrin did during Destroyer to get Kiss to this level of whatever it was he was trying to get them to. Right. There's not as many stories as like that with Eddie Kramer. Was what we know of Kiss and the evolution, were those first three albums more of the band? Even though there were some producers on there even though them albums originally didn't do as well and they, they weren't happy with the sound and, and all that kind of stuff. But was that more of the band? And then as the band punched up, they were able to get producers to... But then you could see that with their progression, things started to change as well. Yeah, That's always a concern of mine that's like, you know, especially if... And again, I'm not going to poo-poo like hits and stuff because if an artist needs a bump and they've been kind of staggering for a couple albums, but they're still kind of maintaining a level, but they need that extra something, well, then they bring in a producer that's going to give them that extra edge. Yeah. But my concern was, is, is that sustainable after a while? Firm believer is, like, nobody knows sometimes what you need better than yourself, if you're honest with yourself. And we talked about this before. Unfortunately, many of us aren't honest with ourselves, especially as artists. We allow our egos to get in the way that, you know, like sometimes our worst enemy is ourselves. Yeah, thousand percent. Right? Because we don't want yeah. to admit defeat or we don't want to admit that this isn't good enough or, you know, it's time to scrap it or, you know, maybe we try, you know. And I think that's where that role of that producer comes in. 
Recently, I've talked to a few producers of name with the intent of working together. But it was more of a research project for me at this stage than saying, yeah, I'm on board 100%. Because I'm still kind of trying to balance the whole idea. Like, yeah, no, yeah, no. I have been fortunate enough over the last couple albums to be the producer for the band in that regard. And I'm honored to have that position and I feel very responsible for it. So it's not like something I took and said, well, yeah, okay, well, you know, I'm in the band anyway, so it's not like, you know, whatever. <laughs> right, right. But there was a different type of role besides my writing and playing on it. Things had changed even after we recorded it, and I said, now we have to do this a whole new way. And I'm a firm believer in that nobody knows what you need better sometimes than yourself if you're honest with it. If you're honest with yourself and you're doing your best to write good music, I don't think you may need a producer. Can you have a soundboard? Well, yeah, that's possible. You know, again, I'm going to bring it back to Bon Jovi had the pizza parlor jewelry for Slippery When Wet. They just took some, you know, some fans off the streets and let them listen to it. And the fans kind of picked the songs or gave them input. And then they went back in and, and made some changes as the reaction was noted down. You know, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm confusing everything here more so than anything, but like I said, recently I just talked to some producers for my band thinking that, you know, maybe it's a time that, you know, because we've had some success in recent years. And after talking to some people, I'm like, ah, I'm still not positive. I don't, you know, I, I don't want someone coming in necessarily and changing everything to make it just fit their mold. Right. I right. Agree. Rather I than yeah, like, where's the band going at this time? What do they need? Right. And and usually, if you're diligent in your writing, your writing should be reflecting that. Yeah. Right. As the band grows, as musicians, mm -hmm. as performers, as a unit, and you'll often see that this progression within the albums. Some bands do get lost. Some find their way again. Some go completely someplace else. But. So I'm not exactly sure. The other thing is, is nowadays, like, the cost of it could be ridiculous. I know of several bands, I'm not naming names, and I'm not going to name producers, but they've used guys either from well-known bands or people that had some track record, some traction with what they produced. They paid some astronomical amount, and nothing really came about from the album in terms of, like... Right. Again, you know, what does a producer bring using that idea of what they do in pop? It's like that name recognition, that name brand, that push. Well, if you're going to pay that kind of money and you're going to work with somebody of that caliber, well, it should add some extra flavor to what you're doing. That's my personal opinion. However, if it doesn't and the music isn't really that much better, man, maybe you have a stellar sonic recording. It sounds great in terms of you know, the meters, the levels, the audio. But if the music isn't really that much different, then what did you pay for? Right. Yeah. So, you know, you run that risk as well. You know, for indie, in the trench bands, well, you got to watch your P's and Q's, in my opinion, right? What What is it that you really want to get out of it? And if you're not getting that out of it relatively quickly, you need to cut ties and move on because... That could be the difference of, like, if you're putting... I'm just going to throw some numbers out, okay? If your album costs you $100,000 to make, which if you're paying that money nowadays, you should get into another line of work. But, 
and 75,000 of it went to the producer, something's wrong. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And then nothing's coming from it. You know, again, like in the old days, I guess, you know, you'll have some of them say that a producer, like a big-time producer, they would get a dollar an album. So if that album sold $6 million, that producer got $6 million. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. So... You know, I mean, I guess you could see why people were jumping up to be producers and they wanted oh, yeah. to move up the ladder very quickly. You are listening to the Cosmic Voice with your hosts, Chris Natalini and Mick Michaels. But does a band need it? I don't know. I think that most bands probably don't. And again, if they're honest with themselves and they're being true to the writing style and it is a it's a maturation of that writing style then I don't think that you necessarily do not to say that you don't need maybe a third party or an outside party just to give a little bit of input you know what do you think of this what do you think of that that not necessarily that they're giving you you know producer type input but you know at the end of the day the people that are listening aren't producers. A lot of them even aren't musicians. They don't have an interest in playing instruments or writing music. They just want to enjoy it. Yep. And yeah. we yeah. talked about this before. Sometimes it's just, it doesn't have to be a complicated song or an overcomplicated song for people to enjoy. It can be simple. And that's why, you know, C, D, and G, thousands of songs have been written with those three chords because they yep. resonate well with us. So... If I was coming off some albums that were, I want a Grammy and a couple Platinums and whatever, yeah, I mean, it makes sense in the higher echelons that you want to keep that level going to work with different producers. Listen, like you said, some you're going to hit with and some maybe didn't work out as well. Yeah. But if all of a sudden it's like night or day and like you were saying with Metallica, that all of a sudden they go back to what they know, and I'm not saying one way or the other, but... Is that demonstrating that they didn't learn anything in that process? That they went back to what they were doing before? Now, again, that could have been by choice. It's like, hey, we want to go back to what we were doing. It's That's yeah. what brought us to where we are. But then at the same time, the argument could be, well, you haven't had a real big hit since then. Or you haven't had this since then. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you're still living off of this. Because if a band is still somewhat up on the higher echelon, well, I guess they're still doing okay. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. still yeah. things coming in to, you know, whatever. But for the indie in the trench band, I don't think a producer is always needed. A lot of times, like you said, the engineer plays a dual role. And if that engineer is at all interested in what they're doing as well, they're going to want to maintain some standard, some level of sound quality. And, and it should be in their right to make some suggestions. You know, because nowadays a lot of places are privately owned, you know, studios. You're paying for it, but they should be giving you some suggestions anyway because they're the expert in that field. Yeah. What do you think? I think also, too, I think that in the history of hard rock and heavy metal, you know, there's been so many producers that have really kind of changed artists' careers. Like, like you know, once, you know, Johnny Cash got with Rick Rubin, who owned Def Jam, and you know, it took Johnny Cash on a whole different echelon. You know, it, it gave him a whole new crowd. Sure. It was listening to him because of, of Rick Rubin. Then you got, you know, Ted, you know, obviously Ted Templeton with Van Halen. You know, I mean, th- those records are 
can't touch them. But again, we're also talking about artists or bands that had already kind of started their way up or were there. And that opportunity was presented to them. I mean, like, I'm not going to be able to work with Rick Rubin. I don't think. (laughs) I doubt it. And or you know Mutt Lang or anyone of that nature, unless something all of a sudden you know goes from night and day, and then right, it's right, a different story. Right. One, the price tag is way too much, and two, well, yeah. you know, I mean, there's there's no bang for the buck. It's always good to go up. It's in this case, it's never good to kind of move never back good to down. go down. Yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. I guess the sad thing is is that opportunity is not available to the indie independent artist in the trench artist i'm not going to say that's completely true because i do often see where some new band or group or artist that has a little bit of finances behind them for whatever reason could be personal you know someone could be investing some money because they right you know because there's still that there are still people that believe in the development stage so you'll have yep. sometimes yep. producers to go out, they look for artists, they go, okay, I'm going to invest such and such this time and give of my experience to do this. Again, like, you know, with Indian and independent artists, we don't necessarily have that opportunity at our beck and call. It's not, they're not knocking at our door and going, hey, can we work yeah, with true. you? Like, yeah. usually you can't get anyone to look at you sideways unless you, <laughs> unless you go, look, I got 75,000 bucks. What are you going to do? You know, can you do something? Yeah. And most people aren't going to pass up on that, right? And again, I don't, for 75,000, I don't think you're getting Mutt Lang and I don't think you're getting Rick Rubin or Bob Rock or Chris Natalini or anything like that. I don't think you're getting any of those guys. Listen, for $7, you can get me. Yeah, I'm really a happy meal and a, you know what I mean, a place to sit down and I'll, I'll sit in with you. That's where some people get lost or confused or they get too concerned about like oh we got to have you know it's kind of like that old thing we got to have a manager you know what i mean well yeah yeah i don't know about that i think i think if you got a good studio setup where you're going it's decent you're turning out good audio quality you know you have a good engineer who knows the basics has a solid grasp on it is able to take what you're giving him sonically and make something good out of it i think that's great because you know even sometimes in the old day you had a guy that recorded you had a guy that mixed it separate guy you had a separate guy that mastered it separate guy that produced it so again but that's with the budgets yeah with the budgets. back in the 80s you know we worked with the producer guy you worked with the same producer Um, i did yeah i mean he was also a highly skilled engineer after Mm -hmm. a while he started having other people work the board while he, you know, oversaw stuff and like that. He worked with Grand Funk Railroad, so we'll just, I'm not going to name names, but we'll, we'll throw that out there so we're not making mm-hmm. it completely. So mm-hmm. he had some skill sets. The thing was is back then, he didn't have a lot of experience in metal. Right. 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 So yeah. he was definitely, there was a lot of stuff like while we were in the studio, we'd play these songs and, you know, and he only worked in that capacity with bands that he liked. Like, yes. you know, where he went the extra mile and spent more time. And there was times, I still remember, I haven't, you know, that he'd get on his, his little piano keyboard thing and he'd play, like, you know, because he, he could play and he had the ear. And, you know, we were just five lugheads with that new block chords and that's about it. And he goes, oh, yeah. And he would do this and he goes, let's take that melody 
and we'll just do a counter melody here, you know, with the chords and stuff. Or, you know, and he, or he put this in. I remember there was one song we wanted to have keyboards and we didn't play keyboards. So he was able to kind of work out a whole melody with keyboards. So it was, you know, that kind of thing is what our early experience was with a producer. Right. But going back to what I was saying that I've recently spoke to some producers. Listen, they were all great people to talk to i learned a lot in the conversation you know i was pretty much transparent um didn't come in with a chip on my shoulder was very you know respectful and reverent to them you know i asked questions when i could um but i was also firm and like in my idea that i wasn't necessarily looking for a complete overhaul and i wasn't saying that what i was doing i didn't like my goal for this whole research was to like I want to keep pushing forward as an artist as a songwriter as a band right and is this something that we should look into to make that continue to happen so this is that's where I was at you know we're talking about this the more I talk to people the more I I went through it, you know, and compared notes and things like that. I'm like, I'm not exactly sure yet. I'm, I, yeah. I'm, I'm still not positive. Uh, haven't made any decision, but I'm continuing moving forward on both my album and the EP and writing new songs and recording because that's what I do. Yeah. And I think that other piece is different. You know what I mean? Like if I wanted to start from scratch or change something, again, this is my personal opinion, then maybe I would be working with... The producer right from the beginning before that album is already in play in any type of production post-production or whatever you know in the in the infant stages in the thinking stages you know what do you think about this what do you think about that going with that but when you already have a body of work i don't think it's as easy for everyone else third party to get involved because like some of the things was well let's go through all the songs and we'll pick them together which ones right. we're going to you know and right. then the rest of them we'll just get rid of well I'm not a firm believer in getting rid of anything because I think somewhere down the line pieces can, things can be used oh yeah you know what absolutely. I mean I, yeah, I, and absolutely. you talked about that too like we we don't let things go to waste and maybe no. that's because because of being still an indie in the trench band a lot of that stuff is kind of like the the lifeline of what we do. Yeah. So, you know, and because you never know what really is going to be a hit and what's not going to be a hit, you just don't get rid of everything. Nope. So, you know, and very seldom do indie artists come out with, you know, a whole side of uh, deep cuts. They're so deep that they never made it on anything or, you know, <laughs> you know, t- like uh, if you listen to the Elvis station on, um, on Sirius XM, they have, you know, versions like take two, take three, take four. Oh, take yeah, five. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like your average studio, you know, your average indie band, they don't have take two, take three, take four. There was no, nowadays there's no saving of take two, take, it's nope. just copyright. Over. Okay. That's it. You know, click, click, do it again. Yeah. And, click, I, do and it even, again. Yeah. even yeah. back in the days when we were doing, you know, real to real recordings, you could only go over so many times or they have so much room and then they go, look, we're going to have to, you know, unless you're going to buy some more tape, we're just going to have to, yeah, yeah, we're just going to have to erase yeah. this. Yeah. Ah, I don't know. Okay. Yep. I guess. Okay. We'll take it. We'll, well, that's it. So you were kind of forced to what you have. So, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah. I think that on our level, like you had said, I mean, let's be honest. It's always cool to go, Hey, I got this producer and he did this, he did that on our level. 
But yeah, I don't necessarily think that it, it is always necessary for people at our level. You kind of know what you want your song to be, you know? You know how hard it is to get onto a chart these days? I mean, it's always exactly. been difficult. Exactly. But even right. I think it's even more difficult now, especially since metal, like, I don't even know if anybody looks at those charts. And they're usually occupied by bands that have been already been around. The only time I personally look at those charts is when somebody that I know posts, hey, we made the charts. Right. And then I go, oh, that's right. Yeah. There's charts. I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, and it's just a PR piece. But, you know, I guess for some, it still does something for them. Sure, sure. Again, for metal, it's so difficult. It's so hard. Yeah. For these, and there's know. so, you know, we, we talked about this on a previous show. There's so much stuff and bands and artists in metal you know, we're talking about metal. So you, there's so much, so many bands out there, so much material, you know, so getting on the charts is, is yeah. Let me get a close. Even just having a, a, you know, the, the list just brushed by me would be okay. But oh yeah. No, I agree with you. Well, things way in the distance. Yes. Yeah. It's, it, it's definitely not part of my thinking in terms of when I'm writing or releasing, like, Oh, we're going to hit the charts or, you know, how we get, you know, I don't even think of that. It's not even a concern of mine. No, no. Again, like I said before, I've heard some albums, some EPs that had some producers attached to them, and I don't think that they were worth anything more than what they were pressed on. So right. you have to really weigh out everything and say, do we really need this? Or do we just need to spend a little bit more time writing better songs, arranging our songs a little better? You know, yeah, create yeah. like if we're not sounding like the bands we want to or our favorite artists or we're not hitting those those emotional peaks, then what do I need to do to do that? I mean, okay, you can pay somebody to tell you that. Well, this is what you need to do. But again, it goes back to what I was saying earlier. This is my personal feeling is a lot of these bigger name producers, all they're doing is they're taking this band that brings them in and just say, You do this, you do that, you do this, you do that, and they rewrite their songs or write songs for them and it's basically their music and there's a lot of that I didn't get into this to have somebody else tell me how to play because right. you know like I said it's to me it's not authentic enough now again I haven't had that big check waved in front of my face so maybe that I may do the whole different thing I don't know like I said <laughs> I I'd write an album for a record label if you know as long as I was paid for it you know because I'll go write another one it doesn't make a difference payday isn't bad i'm not saying it but to put the money out and have no return or run the risk of it i don't know i don't know especially as an indie artist independent especially artist yeah I, it's it's i don't know if that risk is worth it because i could probably get so much more out of it later yeah yeah i, yeah, I could yeah. get some things that would definitely some better pr some better attention that way again put it into better recording maybe a better mastering like one of the things that i do is for mastering i work with better names bigger names yeah. people yeah. that have a track record in our kind of music yeah you know and yeah. i think that's very important now i know a lot of today a lot of programs a lot of the you know daws have mastering presets and stuff and a lot of people use them and they're you know and they sound great but if I'm bringing in that third party to give me that different perspective, and there's been some pluses there, though we haven't used 
these individuals as a producer per se when I have sent the stuff to mastering and we've had conversations about it or it's going back and forth they've given me producer type input either to make some changes sonically so it works better on the meters and in the ears so you know you get a better presentation and Mm -hmm. or for the next time like hey look this is working there's nothing wrong with it Everything sounds great, but consider Let's this next. This yeah, way, yeah, like if you're going to, if you're thinking of going this route again, try it this way, such and such, and you're going to find that then you'll be able to have this, or you'll get this, or get that. And to me, that's valuable. And one of the yeah. best pieces of advice I ever have gotten by a producer was keep turning the knobs till you like the sound. <laughs> and you know what? That's about as authentic as you can get. He's basically saying there's no magic, there's no specific formula or combination that you would use for everybody. Just keep turning until you're happy. If you're happy, that's a plus. Right. Right? Right. Now, I mean, I guess the the, the flip side of that is even if you're happy and it sounds like crap, (laughs) you know, that's, again, you need to go back. And if you're having somebody just take your money and not tell you anything, well, that's not good. And unfortunately, and you know it, I know it, there's a lot of that that goes on in this industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? We talked about it in our PR stuff, in the advertising, and the marketing, and you know, and it happens as well with the recording and the mastering and everything that kind of, you know, even in distribution sometimes. So, but that's where I'm at, man. I, I'm a firm believer, just kind of produce it yourself. And you'd be surprised about how much you learn. And though you may not understand chord theory, chord progressions, harmonies, and all that kind of stuff, you'll learn that because you'll want to know what does that mean? What's the definition of it? And how can that pertain to my music? What can it do or not do for my music? It's better to know it and not use it than to not know it and have no opportunity to use it. Yeah, yeah. Right? You want to be a, uh, a warrior in a garden and not a gardener in a war. You got anything else you'd like to add? Real quick one thing why you say that, and I was thinking about it while you were saying it. I'm also a firm believer in taking those opportunities, right? We talked about in the previous episode of the season. Just do it, right? Just say yes. Right. So if you produce stuff yourself, God knows what you'll learn, and who's to say you won't turn around and go, you know, I kind of think I want to learn more about this producing gig and end up, you know, loving it and it being a career. You know, maybe you maybe you move out of the music side of on the playing music side of it and writing and you become a producer. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, you know, we talked about this in a lot of episodes like, you know, nowadays the artist wears so many hats. Yeah. Every kind. And a producer is just to me evolution to what you're doing now. Right. 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 You're just taking a more dramatic role to it. You're taking that leadership role. You know, there's some business side to it. Making sure everything's on time. You're running, you know, it's like a director. It really is. It really is like a director of music. So um, there's a lot that can be there. But yeah, listen, I mean, why not? If you don't know, take the time. You know, Google search it. You'll get some basic stuff and then you start reading. Some of the greatest stuff that I learned, I just read interviews from other producers. Yeah. And if you listen to some interviews of artists who've worked with certain producers, 
and you can hear certain things that that producer kept repeating in different, you know, whatever yeah, the artist was. Yeah. They had like a, a model or a template or, yep. you know, they had structure to what they did. And I'll tell you, that tells you a lot. That tells you or, a lot. Or they're, trying, or they're trying to get something across. Right, right. Like they're trying to just keep banging something into your head till you understand it. Yeah, That's why yeah, you know, they yeah. keep saying And, and they're yeah. trying to bring out the best. If their goal is in line with your goal in terms of making this music the greatest it can be, then they're constantly pulling at the reins to get you yeah. at your best. It's like, yep. again, like a director trying to get those actors to perform the best they can. And if that means 100 takes, if that means making them angry, if that means, you know, bringing in cheeseburgers, whatever the case may be, <laughs> they're trying to get them to perform at their highest levels. Yeah. Yep. All right. If you like that, yeah. check out some of our other episodes at www.thecosmicvoice.com. Step into the cosmic verse and fill that void. Thanks so much for listening. This is the Cosmic Voice. Be sure to check us out at thecosmicvoice.com. Like and follow us on Facebook at The Cosmic Voice. You can find The Cosmic Voice everywhere you listen to online podcasts like Deezer, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, and so many more. Okay, folks, that will do it for another episode of The Cosmic Voice. Mick and I would like to say thank you very much for tuning in, and we will see you next week. You're listening to The Cosmic Voice. Music, talk, and nothing but business.